Amen. I'm not going to be here long tonight. It's going to be a short sermon. I'll just tell you Sunday morning. I spit it out as fast as I could spit it out. It was 15 pages and I had to keep rolling. I felt God give it all to me. I wanted you to get it all too. I didn't tell a joke, Kim said, so she's disappointed. Well, I know I've told you some of these tonight the, uh, about Cardin. And, and I just tell you, today I went around, I went to ask my family members, can I talk about them tonight? And they said yes. So uh, the ones I asked, the ones I didn't, we're just going to keep going. I told, uh, told you before about Cardin sleepwalking. A couple nights ago, I'm asleep in my room. We have one of those doors, and I don't know if you have these in your house, but we have a door that if you don't shut it all the way, it'll like open back up. Or you have another door in your house where if you open it up, if you don't like push it all the way back, well, then it just kind of closes on its own. And there's no closers or anything on me. It just happens that way. The house gets unlevel, you know, whatever happens. That's the way our bedroom door, uh, Shelly and I's bedroom door is. And our bedroom door was shut. It wasn't latched, but it just, it went shut. And I'm asleep. And I hear a knock on the door. It wakes me up, and I'm closest to the door. I look up, and I'm like, somebody's knocking. No. Anyway, I, there's a knock at the door. It wakes me up, and I'm like, what in the world? If you didn't know, that's that old Terry Gibbs song, Somebody's Knocking, Should I Let Him? Lord, it's the devil. Should, would you look at him? That's what I was thinking. Who's knocking at my door in this ungodly hour? And it was Cardin. I said, come in. And he walks in. And, of course, you got to understand, little boys, he, you know, he wasn't hot, so he wasn't in pajamas. And so he just walks in. He, he stands there. Dad, I don't know what I'm talking about. I said, hey, buddy. I said, why don't you get down here and, and uh, lay down in Daddy's seat? We have a recliner there in our bedroom. I said, why don't you lay down in Daddy's seat and cover up? Look around. Okay, he gets down. And he lays down, goes to sleep. No problem. He always wakes up in the morning. How did I get in here? He has no idea how he ends up in our room. What do you think happened? We went and picked you up all 150 pounds of you, brought you in here and laid you down. No, you, you walked in here on your own. Here's what I thought was really funny. It's because we've always taught our boys. First of all, we teach them to say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And, and we've had to wear them out to get them to do it. But the other thing we do is we make them knock. If the door's closed, you always knock. You never open the door. I don't care if it's latched, if it's just pulled shut. You never. In his sleep, he still used his manners. <laughs> he was asleep, Scotty. Totally asleep, and he was still using his manners. I thought, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty amazing. I know sleepwalking can be dangerous. There's always the danger of them hurting themselves, bumping into obstacles, falling down. In our house, we have three boys. If they're sleepwalking, I'm worried about what they're catching on fire or what they're flooding. You know, maybe the bathroom's flooding over. You never know what's going to happen when somebody's sleepwalking. Anyway, but being asleep at the wheel can be deadly. And I really, I had a joke to put in here, and I've told it here before, and somebody, and I'll try to say it again, but I don't know if I can remember it. It said, I want to go like my uh, grandpa went. He went while he was asleep. He died when he was asleep, but the, the passengers in the car didn't appreciate it. He went something like that. I know I messed it all up, but that's, I thought about that today, but I didn't, I didn't get it in there, so. 
There it was. I've never fell asleep driving, but I've dri driven some long distances before, and when I got to my destination, realized I don't remember going through Memphis or Brinkley. What? Did we go through Brinkley? Did they move Brinkley? You ever did that? Could not remember going through there. Your mind was asleep whether your eyes were or not. Some people can fall asleep seemingly anywhere, any position, and some even with their eyes open. I had an uncle years ago that uh, we'd always tease him, make fun of him. He would just like walk in the house. We'd say, hi, Uncle Don. And he'd say, hello. He'd go over and sit down, and, and you'd go to say something else to him. And you're like, how does this guy fall asleep so fast? The older I get, I'm having a hard time. I love the NFL, and I'm having a hard time staying awake on Sundays to watch the games. I'm like, I'm just, I'm fighting it with everything I can, trying to see the ball games on Sunday. When Peyton was having spinal taps, my Peyton's our, our middle child. He's up in the sound booth tonight. Uh, years ago, he had cancer. He had a mass. We have a lot of, uh, we have some visitors and some new people here tonight. But he was going in every week and having a spinal tap done. They would knock him out, and uh, they would they pull fluid off his spine, and they would check it for cancer cells and things like that. And Peyton is just a little bit ornery. He's quiet, and so everybody thinks he's real nice. He's ornery. You have to watch the quiet ones. He, uh, he decided he's going to try to fight anesthesia. Okay? You think, well, you can't fight that. Let me tell you, you can fight that. You can fight it. They started telling me weekly, I said, we're having to give him more and more medicine. They said, that's normal, but we're giving him a lot more. And so we started talking to Peyton about it, and Peyton said, yeah, I've been seeing about how long I can fight it. He said, I just keep, keep going on, keep trying to think of something, trying to keep my eyes open, trying to... Well, after a while, him doing that, they were finally getting knocked out, and his eyes were still open. So the doctors and nurses, they'd have to take his eyelids and put them down, they'd pop right back open. So finally, they had to tape his eyelids down to keep them, because they didn't want his eyeballs to dry out during the process. <laughs> Talking about sleeping today. Being asleep at the wheel, though, it can be a deadly thing. My brother Wyatt, we were down in Texas, and he went down to Waxahachie to see this girl. He was dating before he was married. On the way home, we were in Revival in Grand Prairie, Texas. And on the way home, it's not that far of a trip, he fell asleep out there on the interstate, on the, on the bottom loop of south side of uh, Dallas. And uh, through the process, it was before cell phones and everything, he had to find a pay phone, call the pastor. The pastor had to drive to the church to knock on our bus door and take us over to where he was at. And he'd run that car down in a big old ditch because he fell asleep at the wheel. He was okay. Back in them days, you couldn't hardly hurt a car like that. They made it out of metal, so that's, that's a big difference. But I want to talk to you tonight about something dangerous. It can be fatal. Something that spiritually we cannot afford to happen. Can not afford to happen. And that's being falling asleep in church. And I'm not talking about start snoring. I, I seen a little baby that was sitting in the riser Sunday when I, we got done with altar service. I was walking through and the grandparent was waking the baby up and I said, she got exactly what she needed out of church today. She needed more sleep and she got it. So I was thankful for that. 
But I'm not talking about that kind of sleep. My mama had an uncle, and he'd be up here preaching, and somebody would fall asleep, he'd take a songbook and just whip it at him. I was like, we're not that mean here out here, I, I don't guess. That'd be something to try, though, just for the fun of it. I preached Sunday that someone is following you. Someone, I believe that was Sunday night, someone is following you. You're leading someone. You have passengers that are with you. Every step you go, and if you have kids, you're definitely leading someone. And I said it, and I'll say it again. You're either leading them to heaven or you're leading them to hell. One or the other. We can't afford to be sleeping at the wheel. Absolutely not. In the Bible, I remember a story in Acts 20 and 9 where Paul was preaching for a long time. And I've never preached this long. He was preaching such a long time that, is it Eutychus or Inicus or somebody help me out with this? It's a Bible scholar. Fell asleep and fell out of a three-story window. And he died. Paul went down there and raised him up. I got two things out of that story. If you fall asleep during the preaching, number one, you could die. So don't fall asleep while I'm preaching. That's a good thing. And number two, if you're going to die, make sure somebody's there to raise you up. So it's two things I got out of that. Tonight I'm talking about sitting in a church with no real concern for lost souls. Some people sleep with their eyes open. Asleep, you can't hear a word that someone's saying. Asleep, you can't hear a word that a preacher's saying. I preached a sermon last year, and it was entitled, uh, Comfortably Numb. And I talked about, it, it goes along with some of these same things I'm going to talk about tonight. We, we become numb in the church. And then uh, Brother Heidi was here that night, and I was talking to him, and, and he gave me some insight to that scripture that I was using that night. But we got to talking about how the devil likes to, he just likes to push on that rocking chair. The saints of God, and, and we just get to rocking away, and, and we're not realizing we're falling asleep. And next thing you know, you know, we're just here in church, and we're here on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, and God bless us. Look at us. We're Christians. We're not doing the mission. We're not doing the Great Commission. We're being rocked to sleep. We're being rocked to sleep. Just a funny story. I didn't even put this in here, Ken. Is my father-in-law, when he was a young man, back in the 50s, he had an old, big car. It had no seats in it. He put a rocking chair in the driver's seat, and that's the way they drove that thing. They sure did. It aggravates me to talk to someone. I look at Shelly's eyes. She's beautiful, and talking to her, and I can see she's not paying attention to me one bit. I was telling a story today to someone, and she walked in and just started talking to that person. Was I not talking? Was I not just saying something? Don't you hate that? When you're trying to tell somebody something, and you can tell they're thinking about something else. They're not paying attention at all. They're thinking about their taxes. They're thinking about whatever it might be. If you're talking to a kid, they're thinking about bugs or rocks. or I'll be telling Cardin something very important. These are life lessons, Cardin. You got to listen up. And I'll tell him, you need to do this. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Dad, can we go to Dairy Queen? Pay attention. Just listen. What did I just say? Clean my room or something. I don't know. Can we go to Dairy Queen? He's not paying attention. He doesn't know. 
How much more does it aggravate God for his people to sit and his words being preached and they're not listening? They're not taking it to heart. They're not, they're not getting the meaning of the word. They're just saying, oh, I've heard that scripture before. I've heard that preacher before. I've been there before. I'm in church. I'm in church all the time. God, I'm faithful. How much more does that aggravate God? Hmm. John 8 and 43 says, Why do ye not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot hear my word. Listen to what Matthew says. Matthew 13, 10. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou to them in parables? Verse 13 says, Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not. Neither do they understand. Basically, if I told them in plain English, they wouldn't understand it. That's what he's saying right there. And then Matthew 13 and 15 says, For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. How many times have we left a service that God was trying to talk to us, trying to tell us something, and we didn't hear the word of the Lord? You may have heard the scripture being read. You may have heard something else. How many times it didn't penetrate the heart. It didn't go to that fertile ground that I always speak about. Because I think about that. I'm very visual when I'm praying. It's, it's very intentional. God, I want the seed of the word to go deep inside of us to where it springs up inside of us. How many times we walk away from church and not hear what the Lord was really trying to tell us? Maybe we were asleep. Maybe we were thinking about our day. How them boys just wore you out. Lisa, I feel you, sister. And you got two more than I do. I feel you, sister. We're thinking about the day, thinking about them kids, thinking about our job, our boss, our business, our lawn, the lack of snow. By the way, did Ethan see snow the other day? No, we had snow at our house. You should have brought him over there for a little bit. They're talking there that little Ethan's never seen snow, and so we got to pray some snow in so he can see it. We got to hear the word of God. We got to focus in on what God is telling us and hear what God's saying through his messenger. And for me to sit up there and even say these kind of words is really funny to me because if you know me and some of you don't, I'm at the uh, most surprised preacher you're probably ever going to meet. I didn't expect God to call me to preach. This was not a plan. Even though, you know, my, my parents was in, involved in ministry, all my family was involved in ministry, I played guitar, God gave me talent to play guitar. I thought, God, I'll play guitar for you. I was living for him, loving on him. And when the guitar ministry uh, come to an end while I was traveling, I thought, you know what? I'm going to be a good Christian. I'm going to join a church for the first time at 38 years old. And I did. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to support the pastor. I'm going to do this. I've been here 17 years thinking I'm just going to, this God, this is what God has for me. This is what Christians do. You do your ministry, then you retire, and you sit and you do the good thing for the Lord. He had other plans for me. I didn't know it. I was the quiet, shy, sneaky aggravator like Peyton was, and now I'm the one that's talking like my dad does. Not quite like he does. He screams and yells and spits and 
He's old time Pentecost. I just spit, that's right. I want us to hear the voice of the Lord tonight. And there's no better way. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. And I, I want you this, the word of the Lord. Again, it's anointed. It doesn't have to have some special person reading it. It doesn't have to have an anointed person read it for the word of God to be anointed. Now, if you get them things that are going together, man, you got something. But I want you to hear the word of the Lord tonight. First Thessalonians 5 and 6 says, Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. He's saying, don't be overcome by apathy. Here's these words again. Lethargy. But let us watch and be sober. And talking about sober, let's just jump down to 1 Peter 5. And be sober. Be vigilant. What he's saying right there is, be awake. Be watchful. Because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. He's warning us, stay awake. I was watching a, a television preacher the other day, and his wife was actually doing the, the speaking. They just come off of a safari, and she loved getting, getting with her um, tour guide there. And they said, get closer to these lions. And so they'd get closer and closer. And, and after doing this for a few days... The, one of the last days they went out, they went by this house and they said, that's where the ranger lives. And she said it was out in the middle of nowhere. There was nothing. She said we were miles and miles and miles in the, in the bush and there was nothing out there. And she said, that's where uh, the ranger's wife died. And she said, what? He said, the ranger's wife died right there. She said, how did she die? I'm thinking I would have figured that one out myself. You know, it wasn't natural causes out there with all them wild animals. A lion. When she wasn't watching, a lion grabbed her, eat her, killed her. And she said, and all of a sudden I realized, because they're riding around in a Jeep with no sides on, she says, I don't want to get, I don't want to get close. She realized at that moment the danger she's actually in and seeing, they're beautiful animals. She was seeing these giraffes, she was seeing all these different things. It was beautiful to her, but then she realized the danger of not watching and getting close to that lion. Because she said, the day before I said, get closer, get closer, I wanna see it, I wanna take pictures. Sometimes we're so naive, we're getting closer and closer. We fell asleep in the spirit, so to speak, and we're getting closer and closer to the enemy, getting closer and closer, and he's just about ready to launch out after us and kill us. I find it interesting in the Bible that when God spoke specifically to someone, they had no problem hearing him. How many of you ever noticed that in the Bible? When, when the angel of the Lord comes down or the Lord comes down and speaks to him, every time it's fear, fear. They, they were afraid, and they, they, they was always like, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Every time you see it, don't be afraid. So God has no problem getting people's attention. All right, we all agree on that. But when he spoke through men, people had a difficult time hearing him. I'm thinking, that's where we're at today. And usually the authority was not respected. Again, I think that's where we're at today. And again, this is a sermon that I never thought, first of all, I didn't ever think I'd be preaching. I never thought I'd be preaching a sermon that says, 
You need to be listening to your pastor. That's what I just got out. If you didn't hear that, that's what I was talking about. You need to be listening to the pastor when he's teaching the word of God. Did I get that part? Okay. We'll make sure we got that. Matthew 23 and 34. Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them ye shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. Can I remind you again? You're leading someone. You're leading someone. I'm going deep tonight. You may think, oh, this is not very deep. If you're not respecting authority, and I don't care what aspect of life it is, your kids are not going to respect you. And I know I've, I've got an older crowd here. I've got some that's got some babies coming up. But if you sit and talk bad about the police, don't you be upset when they start talking bad about you. That's the way that works. I don't care how mean that police officer was or that cashier was or anyone else that's in authority. I don't care how mean they are to you. You may be in right what you're saying, but you don't need to be saying it. You're disrespecting someone. I'll take it a step further. You're disrespecting God's creation. Even though they may be acting wrong, you're disrespecting God's creation. You're leading someone. You're driving. You have passengers that are dependent on you. Let me give you an example of devastation of those asleep behind the wheel. You ready? Matthew 25, 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five of them were foolish. You might ask yourself, in what ways were they foolish? There were ten virgins, so they, there must have been... Here's what I believe. I believe they were apathetic feeling or showing a lack of interest or concern. Number two, I think they were indifferent. Feeling or showing little or no emotion, unresponsive. When you come into this church, this is the house of God. We have dedicated this place. I've said it before. It's concrete, carpet, wood, sheetrock, ceiling tile, electricity. We've come in here, but we've dedicated this place as the house of the Lord. When you come in here and you don't give him the worship he deserves, you're disrespecting him. I'm disrespecting him. I know this is tough, but it's short. I give you the good and bad of it. It's short. Just happy going to church, sleeping behind the wheel, asleep in the pew. Matthew 25 and 3. I told you I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures. I'm going to finish this out right here. They that were foolish took their lamps, lined them all up, and they looked alike, and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose. And trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, No. They answered and said, Not so. Lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourself. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open the door. Open to us. But he answered and said, 
Verily I say unto you, I know you not. We are vulnerable when we're asleep. How many has ever had a bad dream? I'll just be honest with you. The other night, I, I pray every night before I go to sleep. The other night, I was exhausted. I laid down. If I, if I said a prayer, I don't remember it at all. I laid down, and I want to say it was 1130. That's the last time I looked at my digital clock. We had one like from the 70s set right there. Um, so here it is, 11.30. I go to sleep. That's the last time I looked at the clock. I wake up, and in my dream, the enemy's coming against me. I mean, you have them dreams, you know they're from the devil. You wake up, it's not just I'm scared of something. You feel the enemy. He's coming and attack you in your sleep. And I thought to myself, are you kidding me? You don't know who I am, devil. I'm a child of the Lord. Shall he help me pray? And that's the way you guys do it. Go get somebody to help me pray. You know what we did? We went to praying, and immediately I could feel that spirit lift. I was like, you know what? That's why I pray. Most every night I pray, God, I want you to stand an angel at each corner of our property, each corner of our house. Father, protect my kids and their thoughts. I pray, pray when they're little bitty. Lord, give them happy, funny, giggly dreams. Pray that every night over them, just like that. Give it to them, Lord. Protect them while they sleep. But we're vulnerable when we're asleep. The devil can do to us whatever he wants. And by the time we notice, now I'm talking about spiritually here, the damage is already done. When we're not vigilant, we're not sober, we're not watching, the roaring lion will sneak in on us. And the damage is done and it's usually too late. When we're asleep, we're useless. Nobody wants to be called useless, and pastor just called us useless while we're asleep. We're all, I'm preaching to myself, we're all useless when we're asleep. We've got to be watching. We can't fall asleep at the wheel. We are no benefit to those around us, our family, our church, the kingdom of God. It doesn't take long to fall asleep either. And I'm talking about spiritually, because I can be on fire. I can be on fire, walk out of this church and get in my car and go down to Walmart, and immediately I can fall asleep in the spirit. That crazy driver, I wish I had a big old 1970 vehicle to run them into the ditch. That's the way it could happen. You get down to the Shipley Donuts, you order your Shipley Donuts, you tell them, I want this donut right here. And they start pulling them off another shelf. No, I want this one right here. Oh, up here? No, this one right here. I was like, lady, this, this is the donut I want. The other lady comes up to me and says, this is all new to all of us. It was when the store first opened. I said, it's not new to me. I've ordered donuts before. That one. That's the one I want. We can fall asleep spiritually quick. There's many people that say they want to die in their sleep. But you don't want to die if you're spiritually asleep. How can I awake? The first thing we need to do is to acknowledge that we've been sleeping behind the wheel. Acknowledge. I know when you're driving down the highway and you start getting sleepy. I remember one night coming from Tulsa back home. I got to Fort Smith and I was almost in tears. I was so sleepy. I called my dad. I said, Dad, I can't stay awake. You're going to have to talk to me. He was asleep. He was at home asleep. So the usual thing, get you some candy, get you some drinks. And 
I had them eating and drinking about the first mile and I was sleepy again. I was like, I'm still sleepy. It's terrible being asleep. Terrible being sleepy behind the wheel. But how can we awake? It's simple. Repent. Repent. Well, you know, Drew, I really didn't do anything that bad. If we're not doing what God commanded us to do, it's bad. It's bad. Repent. We just preached about David on Sunday. He had to repent for his sins. His sin brought a curse to the nation of Israel. We can bring that same curse. We talked about the plagues. We can bring them same curses into our own family, into our own situations, simply because we're not doing what God has told us to do. Repent. We need to wake up and repent for our spiritual sleepiness. Revive our prayer life. Just a shameless plug right now. Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m., right here in the church, we have prayer meeting. Shameless. Revive our interest in the Bible. How many of you ever read Leviticus straight through? Exodus. Oh, my word. You talk about a sleeping pill. <laughs> Revive your interest in the Bible. Sometimes it gets tough, but you got to keep on. Keep on. Pursue. Pursue the knowledge of the word. Work in the church to help yourself be accountable. Oh, true. You had to go there. Accountability is not something that we like to hear. I don't want to answer to anybody. Isn't that the way we are? I, I want to do it my way. I want to do it this way. I don't, I don't want a second opinion. Unless I'm dying, I don't want a second opinion. I want to do it my way. We live in America. And as Americans, we don't have to answer to anyone. No preacher is going to tell me what to do. I've got a Bible in my house. I don't need anyone to tell me anything. Oh my. Don't say amen. Can I share something with you? God give me this today. Listen to the provision. Listen to the provision. I wasn't even looking for a rhyme and it just come dropped in my spirit. Listen to the provision. God provides word. He, he provides the manna. He provides it right here. Listen to his word. Hear, hear the voice of God. Listen to this, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them that have rule over you. Lord, I don't like this scripture already. And submit yourself, submit yourself. I don't like that at all. It battles my flesh. I don't want to submit. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourself, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. We're talking about a pastor right here. We're talking about pastors right here. Ephesians 4 and 11 says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. God give you ministers for a reason. And I had no idea I was going to be a minister. Absolutely no idea. I'm thinking, God, what can I have to give? And I feel like he dropped on my spirit. I can use a donkey. I can use you, Drew. Verse 4, or chapter 4, and verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. You, you realize that? He give you all these ministries for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for edifying the body of Christ. Why? And, and, and when? 
till we all come in the unity of faith. Until we all can come into unity of the faith. What in the world would happen if we could come within, get unity in this place tonight? I don't know, maybe 40, 50 people here, whatever's here. Or maybe 30, I don't know. I think Sunday morning we had 81. What happens if 81 people binds together? What happens if 81 people go out and have one goal, one purpose, and in one accord? And I'm not talking about the car. What happens? I say we storm the gates of hell. I say we pull down strongholds. I think we can make up the hedge. I think that's exactly what we can do when we bind together. God has laid some things on my heart that we're going to be ministering to here in, in this year. And the theme of it will be unity in the community. I've talked to four pastors already and shared with them my heart in about a two-minute time span and each one of them got so excited. I was like, man, if I could light my church on fire like you guys are. I asked them if they could start coming, and they said no. But... <laughs> unity. Until we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children. You know what that means? Grow up. Grow up. Don't you hate that when somebody tells My sister used to tell me that. I wanted to slap her so hard. Drew Foster, grow up. So when mom wasn't looking, I'd give her the jimmy leg. That we henceforth, henceforth, be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind or doctrine, of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. I'm going to tell you what, these words are just, they're ministering to me. You, you don't have to get anything out of it. This is for me. For whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body into edifying of itself in love. He's describing what happens when there's unity. He's describing what happens when there's unity. All of a sudden, there's love for the drug addict that walked into this house earlier today, sat in my office, and I prayed with them. There's love that comes out from Miss Alma, from Miss Kim, from Miss Metza, from Brother Steve, from Brother Charles. There's love that starts coming out even though they don't smell good. They don't look good. They're not doing the right things. But you know what? If we're in unity and we're going after Christ, we're doing the Great Commission, we're going to love them. We're going to love them. We're going to go after them. We're going to support them. Hope dears. We got four baskets. If you're here and you're wondering, what, the, what, what are the baskets for out there? It's a ministry and guy, and they're taking care of women right now, and they have some of the simplest of needs. They need 30-gallon trash bags, tea bags, coffee, sugar, little things that if we'll get on board in unity in this church, there's some people in this church who go fill all them baskets up by themselves. That's what God's asking. I, I feel it deep in my heart. God wants everyone to participate. He wants everyone to participate, not for one person to do it all. 
So if you can only participate a little, participate. That's the key here. That's the key here. Hallelujah. I'm going to keep on reading scripture. Luke 11, 28. But he said, yeah, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. It's just a good one. I just, I'm going to tell you, I just threw some scriptures in here. I love it. I, I started researching some of these. I'm like, wow. John 10 and 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. God, wake us up. Wake us up so we can hear your voice. Romans 13 11. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time. High time. To awake out of sleep. We've got to wake up. We've got to wake up. For now is our salvation nearer than we believe. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. I think the ladies are learning about the armor in their Bible study. <laughs> Romans 13 and 13 says, Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put him in you. Put him on you. Put him around you. And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Shelly, would you come? My last scripture tonight. And I know I said they're printing all this up. And I was like, boy, that's a lot of scripture. And then I kind of smiled. And I'm like, yeah, it's good. It's good scripture. I love this. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Awake to righteousness. Basically, that means come to your senses. He's telling us. You know, when you read the word, you think, well, the preacher said that. And he's talking to us. No, this word's for everyone. Everyone. It's for the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the preachers. It's for everyone. So when I read this, don't think, oh, he's, he's being condemning to me. No. Awake to righteousness. He means come to your senses. All of you humans. Wake up. And sin not. Well, that's kind of tough. Really? It's right here. He says not to do it. Sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this in your shame. I read that today and I thought, well, that's kind of not a loving message. Because I speak that in your shame. He's letting you know you ought to be shameful about this. God help us to hear the word of the Lord. What it's saying to us. Lord, let us awake out of our sleep. Don't let us just sit here and keep driving asleep because there's people following us. I don't care what kind of influence you think you have. Your sphere of influence is a whole lot bigger than you think it is. It's a whole lot bigger than you think it is. I run into people all the time and you say, well, you're the pastor. Well, yeah, but I'm in a little bitty Greenbrier. I got a call one day from Branson. It's a friend of mine from here in Greenbrier. He said, hey, do you know so-and-so? And I said, yeah, I know them. He said, I'm standing with them right here, and they were talking about you. Our sphere of influence goes way beyond these four walls. Your family's watching. That incident up there, he was hearing what they were going to say about me. I'd been nice to them, I guess, so they was talking something good, so I, I was looking good in his eyes. We need to be doing the work of the Lord. Would you stand with me?